All right, welcome on in to the AI podcast. This is now week 43, part two. Got a lot to get to this week. Austin Coates live in Wichita, Kansas this week. Works got me on the road. Isaiah Sanders live in Nashville, Tennessee. Isaiah, how did you enjoy the uh, the week of football that we just witnessed? That was a heck of a week. Uh, mostly enjoyed our Monday night football performance there by our own Kansas City Chiefs against the Las Vegas pushovers. I mean, Raiders. <laughs> yeah, it was a great game. I mean, what more could you ask for? You had a little bit of controversy. You had a little <laughs> bit of uh, the Chiefs getting off to a slow start, which is not outside of the norm these days. And then you had a, a classic Kansas City Chiefs comeback. Um, and a lot to get to with that game, so let's get into it. Let's talk about the first half of this game, Isaiah. This was really a tale of two halves. Uh, in the first half, the Chiefs came out extremely sluggish on both sides of the ball, in my opinion. And i uh, got to be honest with you there. For a while, uh, when the Raiders went up 17 zilch, I was pretty confident that the way we were playing, we were not going to win that game. Uh, we were getting dominated on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage. Josh Jacobs was just running all over the place. Um, Patrick Mahomes was running for his life again. Um, and then probably the most controversial thing in the NFL uh, 2022 season to date occurred, and that was Chris Jones sacking Derek Carr, a strip sack, uh, and then was called for roughing the passer. Isaiah, I got to get your opinion on this because you're a football savant, much like myself. <laughs> this has got to be the single worst call I have ever seen, and I have watched a lot of football. Oh, my gosh, that was a atrocious call. Um it was incredible. Like they were talking about on the broadcast, how Chris Jones even put his hand down to brace the fall a little bit there of Derek Carr. You saw him, and that's you know when you're falling to the ground, that's kind of a risky thing to try and brace with your arm, especially a dude of Chris Jones's size, 290 plus pounds, um, trying to brace with just his left arm. He could easily have hurt himself trying to do that. Um, but he clearly stripped the ball away, and so that's what was frustrating to me. Was like I. I felt he'd already created a turnover. And so at that point, in my mind, the officials should have judged that on the roughing the passer not occurring because well, he'd already taken the ball away at that point. And it's a live football now. The quarterback is also live at that point. Um, quarterback is essentially on defense. and It's a bang-bang thing. And unfortunately, they didn't really turn over right away. And so the fact that it was not ruled turnover meant that, that penalty was still alive. Um, and apparently they weren't able to challenge that because of the penalty being called. And so that was difficult, but I, it was a terrible call. Like, I don't, I don't know how Chris Jones could have played that any differently. And, um, you know, the NFL said they're going to review the roughing penalty at the end of the season but i mean i'd like to see this be something that could could be reviewable at this point 
because you had that in the Monday night game, and then you had in the Falcons and Buccaneers game also a very questionable call against Grady Jarrett, where he, you know, essentially had a clean sack of Tom Brady, and it ends up getting called running the pass, or probably doesn't impact the outcome of that game. Um, but in the Chiefs game, the Raiders end up getting a field goal out of that call. Um, and, you know, giving Patrick Mahomes, rather than it being a turnover and the Chiefs getting the ball midfield with a minute 13 left to go, instead the Raiders are able to um, get a free first down there and then get into field goal range. And so that, that, that really could have swung the game. Now, the Chiefs only win that game, but, I mean, that was a bad call in the moment. And hopefully this is something they're able to change after this year. Yeah, and uh, like you said, I'd like to see that reviewed a little bit sooner just because at this point, I mean, if the Chiefs lose that game last night, Chiefs fans are going to be saying, well, that call directly affected the outcome of the game, which is not entirely true uh, because we know that there's so many plays and so much happening in these games that one call does not truly affect the outcome of the game, but it would would have definitely played a large part. Um, And so my question is how many more games are going to be potentially affected by this penalty? And it's something that the NFL seriously needs to take a look at. Chris Jones was very, very uh, honest after the game with reporters about it. And um, I thought he played it as well as he could and kept his cool (laughs) because I could tell that it was – eating at him, uh, especially right after the play they were showing him. Um, and, and then after the game as well, he was clearly frustrated by it. But no doubt, no doubt about it. And to just talk more about the first half performance there, uh, to answer your first question, um, just they started off poorly, um, all, up front especially. Uh, the defensive line, uh, and this was a theme throughout the game, but the Raiders were able to run the ball pretty much at will. Josh Jacobs looked like a wrecking ball the entire game, but especially in that first half. Uh, the fullback, Alec Engel, played a huge part in this game. Uh, he got some great blocks at the second level that really freed up some room for Josh Jacobs to get loose. Um, really, the, old, the Raiders' first three drives, um, if you exclude their first drive where they got that chop block penalty, um, and had to punt when they got put into second and 21. Um, drive after that, four play, 67 yards. That was that big play. Um, and then touchdown, go up 14 nothing after the Chiefs missed a field goal. Uh, and then they get that third field goal, go up 17 nothing after that. Um, after the Chiefs go three and out. Because, yeah, the Chiefs started three and out um, after a sack by Max Crosby on their first drive. And then they get another three and out um, with a couple incomplete passes. And just up front, they were having a really tough time. Uh, Orlando Brown especially was having a difficult time trying to block Chandler Jones. Max Crosby finished with a couple sacks in this game. And I, I mentioned that last week that the way I could see this game swinging is with uh, the Raiders' pass rush duo of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, and we saw them really impact that game, especially in the first half. Now, the Chiefs were able to put together that 
um, on their, what, fourth possession, finally the touchdown drive. And even then, Patrick Mahomes had to overcome third and ten um, and hit MVS on that 18-yard pass over the middle. Uh, his They used him very well in this game. I thought getting him horizontal, using his speed to an advantage where he's not having to you know, necessarily get a great lease on horizontal routes as compared to just running go routes. And so I thought the Chiefs had a good offensive game plan with him especially. Um, so that was good to see in the first half what they were able to do with MVS. And then 17 seconds, that's just way too much time yeah, definitely. for Patrick Mahomes there at the end getting a field goal. They helped us out with that face mask to get Matthew Wright in a field goal range. Uh, but that was huge to be able to make the game to end the 20 at halftime after being down 17 nothing. Yeah, and uh, Matthew Wright with what is now the longest field goal in Chiefs franchise history at 59 yards. And who would have thought <laughs> that that this record is going to be held by a rent-a-kicker, essentially? Um, mm-hmm. But... What a what a big kick for him and uh, Isaiah. I'm still out there petitioning for you know the goalkeeper at Park Hill South High School or something to come out and kick until Harrison Bucker can get back. And it was really evident last night. Um, of course, Matthew Wright missed a shorter field goal, and then he missed another one that was actually uh, called back due to a penalty on the Raiders, which led to the Chiefs scoring a touchdown. Um, he hit the upright on an extra point, and it went in. So very shaky kicking game. At this point, if Bucker's not going to play, I'm almost just as confident putting Justin Reed kicking, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> at least if he misses, we'll go, well, he's not an actual kicker. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, second half, Chiefs came out strong, carrying that emotion and momentum from the first half over. I've never seen a play in the game flip the script on uh, on a game quite like that roughing the passer call. It energized both sides of the ball, and that crowd was something else. I mean, they booed for like five minutes straight after that. Yep. And I think they really brought the juice last night and helped will this team to victory down the stretch. Uh, great game all around, but to your point about the offensive line, if you don't think that Von Miller and the Buffalo Bills defensive line are licking their chops right now, you are sorely mistaken because, uh, as we'll talk about in the next episode, this is going to be something we're going to want to watch for in the next game because the Buffalo Bills have a great defense. Um, and so we'll, we'll get to that. In the next episode, um, just some closing thoughts here on week five. Uh, really some what last week, you know, just looking at the schedule, we didn't think there was really going to be anything to write home about in terms of other games. Turned out to be pretty interesting. Um, you are no longer in the survivor pick. That was probably the most interesting thing of all the games. Oh. Yeah, Jacksonville let me down. I really thought they'd be able to get a home win against Davis Mills and company, but just everything that could go wrong did go wrong for Jacksonville. They went over three in the red zone, uh, had 
turnover on downs, had an inter- had two different interceptions there. Um, of course, the last interception came on that last Hail Mary, but the huge one coming um, at Houston's goal line, just Trevor Lawrence threw an unnecessary ball uh, that got picked off by Derek Stanley, excellent first-round pick for the Texans. Um, but yeah, J- Jacksonville, just terrible performance, somehow let the Texans in the game, even though the Texans weren't doing anything on offense, again, over 3 on 4th down, over 3 in the red zone, uh, just unlucky, unlucky and just bad performance by that Jags team, and that's what I get for picking the Jaguars um, for Survivor. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I wanted to touch on this real quick. I can't believe I didn't mention this to you before. The Colts and the Broncos game from Thursday night football, that is easily one of the top three worst football games I have ever witnessed in my entire life. It was just brutal to watch. Um, and, And the final play, just Russell Wilson refusing to run the ball and uh, missing a man in the end zone to win the game for the Broncos. It really kind of sums up the Broncos season at this point and is a prime reason why I am not in the slightest bit worried about the Denver Broncos when it comes to the AFC West. No, the Broncos have currently one of the worst offenses in the NFL. I've seen some wild stats about Russell Wilson so far this year. Um, Somehow Cortland Sutton is still a viable uh, fantasy option because I know this because I'm still 5-0 in my 12-team league and he's my starting receiver, uh, one of them, waiting on DeAndre Hopkins to come back for me, um, fantasy. But, yeah, the Broncos are atrocious on offense. Um, It's a miracle this game did not end in a tie. I thought this game deserved a tie. Um, 12-9, no touchdowns scored. And we have to watch the Broncos again this coming week on Monday Night Football. So we get more prime time with the Denver Broncos. Just disgusting. Broncos country, let's ride. Yep, that's right. Broncos country, let's ride. I cannot wait for this Monday night game to be done because I don't believe they're on primetime again until they play the Chiefs um, later in the year. But, yeah, so the Broncos looking terrible. The Jets beat the brakes off the Dolphins. This is another thing, and you want to talk about rule implementation in season, uh, due to everything with Tua and the head injury stuff, um, I believe the, this rule change is is valid and warranted. But Teddy Bridgewater is removed from the game in the first quarter due to a spotter seeing him stumble when he got up after being hit while throwing. And if you watch the video, it doesn't look anything like that. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional, but when I watch Teddy Bridgewater get up, he's just getting up from being hit. He gets up a little slowly, but who doesn't when you get slammed by a 300-plus-pound defensive lineman? Uh, And he's taken from the game. And uh, former Kansas State quarterback (laughs) Skylar Thompson goes in. And it's just like I understand the player safety aspect of it because the Dolphins – and the NFL referees in that game when the Dolphins were playing the Bills really messed up in letting Tua continue to play in that game. 
it was obvious to everyone that he had suffered some type of head trauma. Um, they can say it's a back injury all they want, but I've seen people get their bell their bell rung before. That's exactly what happened in that play. And uh, yeah, so now we're completely overreacting the other way and saying if you show what they're calling signs of a concussion, then you're out for the game right away. And this can happen to any team. Patrick Mahomes, knock on wood, could go down on the first drive of the game next week and someone could spot that as an NFL spotter and he could be out for the game. I think we got to come to a middle ground on on these types of injuries. Um, and yeah, I, I understand they're serious, uh, but at the same time, the concussion protocol was supposed to be designed to keep these players out if they really were experiencing concussion symptoms during the game. Yeah, I mean, I think it was especially sensitive with the Dolphins, with everything that happened with Tua, having their independent uh, doctor get fired after that game um, with Tua. And so I think once someone saw Teddy, they pulled him right away. And I don't think anybody on that staff was willing to risk putting him back out there uh, just a week after they were dealing with all that, knowing that, well, hey, if we somehow put out Teddy Bridgewater, he does actually have a concussion. Like, I mean, it could have been as serious as like the coach's job being threatened at that point. And so I'm not too concerned about it overall. Um, but shout out Scholar Thompson, uh, Fort Osage High School, uh, out there in Independence, getting some playing time as a seventh round pick. Uh, I don't think him or the Dolphins were expecting he'd play in that game. Um, but yeah. Personally, I'm not too worried about the where the concussion protocol's at. I did not know that he was uh, local high school as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually Fort Osage, not exactly the uh, football powerhouse <laughs> that you would think of for those of you in the Kansas City area. Um, but good for him making his NFL debut. He's got he's got some great players around him to help him. That's for sure. Um, so we'll see. I doubt he plays this week unless Bridgewater gets injured. At Teddy Bridgewater will be the starter. Uh, maybe Tua. I'm not sure where that stands, but I think he's out indefinitely at this point. So uh, with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, we'll be back here with you on Thursday uh, for week 44. It's Bill's week. Getting ready to preview this big game. Stay tuned. We'll talk to you then.